and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for being here. This is where I have conversations with people that are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears that hold so many of us back. Now, you can think about something and put it off, but ultimately, you need to just do it. And that is exactly what Matt and Alana did when they finally made the decision to travel the world for two years. They are both former full-time world travelers, transitioning back into the US way of life, making the most out of their vacation time and getting the best bang for their buck in America and abroad. It is the former full-time world traveler that really made me take notice of Matt and Alana, as we often hear about the pre-travel excitement and all the new and wonderful things that we experience while traveling. But that coming home story and everything that goes with it is often untold. In this episode, we dive into finding minimalism on the road, having a generic plan but leaving room for the unknown, putting a pause on the future and living for the now, and being at peace with coming home after traveling. This couple had so much fun learning while exploring our great big globe. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Matt and Alana. G'day guys, how are you going? We're doing great. Doing fantastic. Happy days, happy days. Now, Matt and Alana, you are both Americans from Wisconsin with a passion for traveling and experiencing new places. You're both former full-time world travelers. And when I say full-time, you guys are on the road for two years or more. And now you're transitioning back into the U.S. way of life and making the most out of your vacations and getting the best bang for your buck in America and also abroad. Now, it was the former full-time world traveler that really made me take notice of you guys. As we often hear about the pre-travel excitement and all the new and wonderful things that we experience while traveling, but that coming home story and everything that goes with it is often untold. Now... I want to get to all that a little bit later, but for now, take me back to that moment when you decided, you know what, we need to do this. We need to hit the road. We need to travel. It's now or never. And what was the thought process behind that decision? Well, um, I'd say a few, back in 2013, we kind of took our first inter- big international trip together down to Nicaragua. And we stayed at this bed and breakfast that happened to have a couple from the UK who had up and quit their lawyer and accountant jobs and moved to Nicaragua for six months to teach yoga and hang out on the beach. And I thought, real people like do this? This really happens? (laughs) Um, I think for a few years, we just kind of, you know, kind of threw that buzzword out or buzz phrase out, quit our jobs and travel and one day we looked at each other and said, is this something we really want to do? You know, we're not getting any younger. Um, we do want to have kids some days. So do we want to travel with them? I don't know. Do we just do this? And I think we talked about it for maybe another week. And then Matt looked at me one night sitting in the living room and said, I found a one-way flight to Tokyo in September. Should I just book it? And I said, yeah, if we don't book the flight, we're never going to, this trip is never going to happen. So We booked the flight and then we had nine months to kind of let it really sink in and figure out what we were going to do when we got to Tokyo. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's about it. There wasn't a I guess it wasn't a big drawn out process. It was just 
if we don't book this flight, this this is just going to be talk for forever. And I think we want to see the world and we want to do it while we're young. So let's go for it. And and you booked that nine months out. So yeah. like, like, do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, hey, we're doing this in two weeks. Let's go. Was it? Was there any any process or any thoughts within that nine months that you were like, can we really do this? Are we going to do this? Or were you guys just gung ho and just planning? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, and I think it's that way with a lot of people, especially, you know, like, like you're saying there, you know, we gave ourselves nine months. If you give yourself enough time, you can start to second guess yourself. You, you know, start to think a little bit more about, I'm really, you know, we're giving up two solid paychecks. We're building for our future, you know, all the things that you're taught to think about and the future is important and, and all that. So I would say, you know, for the most part, we were very serious about kind of buckling down, start saving, you know, changing our, our lifestyle a little bit, you know, cut the cable television and, you know, pinch pennies where you can. But we definitely had a conversation every once in a while when, you know, it might bubble up in one of us. But luckily we had the other there to kind of calm the other one down and say, all right, let's let's talk it out. Let's talk it through and kind of refocus and kind of get 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 energized all over again and, and really think about what the trip is going to be. And and that thought process of, you know, let's get back to that now or never attitude and and it and that it's going to be a good thing in the end. And you, you mentioned then about building for the future and it's often drilled into us in today's society about working hard, putting money away, saving for retirement, and then in retirement, you can go out and enjoy life. Um, was it hard to, to put a pause on that for you two? Or what, what discussions happened around that? Yeah, I, I would definitely say that was probably the, the biggest discussion that we had. And that, that's not even just in that nine month. That was more, you know, when we got home from Nicaragua a couple years prior. And then, you know, it was always kind of a pipe dream. You know, you think about it and then it was always kind of, oh, OK, you know, that that's great. But, you know, the future and, and that was kind of a focus. And, and especially for me, I was always and have always been a big saver, um, I, you know, I'm interested in, you know, the financial field and things like that. So I always kind of had my eyes down the road. So, you know, Alana maybe was more interested in, okay, what can you do now? But at the same time, you know, still concerned about the future, whereas I maybe took it to that next level. So I think that was probably the biggest discussion we did have back and forth. And, but I think once we decided to book those tickets over the course of the nine months, it was understood that, okay, we, we are going to do some sacrificing here, but kind of for the greater good uh, emotionally and, and for what we really want out of life, not just in you know, terms of our, our uh, pocketbook. Yeah, and that's always been definitely been the, the saver of us or the saver between the two of us. And I think I kind of just had to keep reminding him, you know, we might not make it to retirement or we might make it to retirement and physically we can't travel or, you know, if it's something we really want to do, then don't worry about the money in the future. I mean, we can always come back and get jobs. And that was, I think that kind of kept us going those nine months. <laughs> and, 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 and was it really that, okay, let's just put it on pause or let's, let's live now. Was, was that the, like, what was the moment that, that made you choose now? I would say it was just, 
I think we just kept thinking about those two people in Nicaragua and like, wow, they, they really did it and they're fine. And we knew that they were back living their lives in the UK. And I think it was, it was really, I want to travel and see the world and I have 10 days of vacation and I, it, that's not even enough time to fly to Bangkok, see the city and get back, you know? And I was like, I just want to see the world. So we have to do it now. And it, it was really just a, it's a now or never in my mind. Hmm. And when you um, were on the plane to Japan or just before you boarded that plane, did you know at that point that you, you were going to be on the road for such a long period of time? Yeah, we did. Well, we had, uh, you know, we had certain flights booked and our, our, our plan was to have a generic outline, I guess, you know, so to speak, and kind of fill in the details along the way. So we had, you know, some bigger flights, obviously, to Japan and then, you know, throughout Asia. And then we had a big flight from Asia into Africa and then later on Africa into Europe. And that was that that took us into about a nine month time frame. And then we had one flight back to the U.S. roughly nine months uh, after our initial flight into Tokyo. So we we knew once we once we did uh, hop on the plane to Japan that we were going to be uh, not stepping foot back in the U.S. for a solid nine months. But the details again, you know, with that was we were going to fill those in as uh, as things came our way. Yeah. And what have been some of the most memorable moments that you've had on the road? Like you just sp spoke then about the different flights that you had into those different countries. There's some, must have, must have seen some amazing things. Yeah, I would say for me, the most, I mean, specifically the most memorable day was our, we did a three day safari in the Serengeti in um, Africa. And the third morning we had our last game drive and we'd been holding out to see that elusive big male lion and it was, you know, it was dawn, it was beautiful sunlight, and we came across these two giant male lions just laying around lazy in the grass. And for me, that was like, that was what this trip was all about. Like, I just couldn't believe I was seeing these beautiful creatures in the wild in Africa. It was like a, it was always a, if I'm rich in retirement, hopefully I can go on a safari in Africa. But I was like 32 and, or 33 and living it. And it's <laughs> it actually, great. actually happening. I get goosebumps just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I had a number of them along the ways, and you know, it's it's funny where you know even now something will, will a country will be in the news, and it just triggers you know great memories of oh that's right when we were there this happened where it's things you might not think about until you know something kind of jogs your memory, but you know Africa we did a basically it was a two month long overland camping trip, and you know we started in. Nairobi, Kenya, and we ended in Cape Town, South Africa. And that was, you know, trials, you know, things, things were good, things were bad along the way. Um, but just kind of that overall experience was something that I'll never forget. And, you know, when you talk about leaving behind a, a life, a, a traditional life, you know, being gone for two months, you know, just doesn't happen. So that's something that I think I'll never forget. Whereas some other countries, you know, you may be able to get away for a week or two, and hit some highlights. But I think that Africa trip was really something that I'll uh, never, ever forget. And when you say the phrase camping in Africa, there, <laughs> there's, there's two sides of my brain. There, there's one side that goes, that is beautiful. You're in nature. And the other side that goes, what are you doing? You're in the middle of Africa in a tent with yeah. some really nasty animals. Yeah. Were, were you scared at all uh, during that experience? 
It, you know, it's, it's funny. It, I wouldn't use the word scared ever. I mean, we were, I think we going into it, we did, we did a lot of research, you know, there's various lengths of trips, areas of Africa that you can, you know, decide to go with a number of different companies that run, you know, those types of tours and those types of guided, uh, truck overland trips. And and the funny thing is neither of us are campers. We are not what we would call outdoors people pretty much whatsoever. We are, our vacations prior to this big trip tended to be, you know, let's go find a beach, get out of Wisconsin and get some uh, nice weather. So camping wasn't things we had done, but I mean, really it was a 56 to 59 day trip and we were in the intense, uh, you know, we camped in the Serengeti, you know, no fences, nothing. So like you said, you know, the, the thought of a lion coming close, I, I suppose it could have been a possibility. Lucky for us, you know, we still have all our limbs attached. So it was uh, not not a scary thing, but just kind of a, uh, I'd almost say kind of like an energizing rush where, you know, anything could happen. You just never know. And we really kind of just every day looked at each other and said, all right, what's going to happen today? Wow. And. When I travel, one of the things I really love are the people that I meet. Um, and I, I learn so much when I'm traveling. Did you learn anything from the people that you met along your the, the path? Absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, like you said, the, the connections you make with people, especially when you are traveling for such a long time, are, are connections that you wouldn't get on just a five-day trip. Um, specifically, we... We had a flight booked to the beautiful island of Bali where, you know, a lot of people envision these luxury resorts and, and they're, and they're there and they're beautiful. Um, but they weren't in our price range. So we took over to Airbnb to look for something. We just, we booked this small little fishing village on the north side of Bali. And we kind of could gather from the reviews that there was a little something more to where we were staying than just an Airbnb, but we weren't really sure. And they weren't, they didn't, they didn't really mention it to us. But when we got there, we found out we were kind of in the middle of a, um, a community that was really looking to build up their tourism. And they, they were trying to figure out how a small fishing village on the North side of Bali could do that. Um, and so they were the, the local fishermen were, we were able to teach them English at night. Um, they, they took us out to do some snorkeling to see their coral reef rebuilding. And um, over the course of the week, we got to know these locals in the middle of nowhere, Bali. And I think they just kind of changed our lives. They, you know, they were people that really had nothing, but they were the happiest people I think we've ever met anywhere we've ever traveled. And it was just the most humbling experience I've, I've ever had in my life. And we, you know, we always... When we talk about the people on our trip, we can just see the smiles of these fishermen in Bali. And it's like, you know, your, your days are really rough and you're working like 16 hour days, but you're smiling and singing all the time. <laughs> it's just, it's such a change from the life that we had in the U S it was, it was amazing. And I think, I think we think about it, you know, every day that now that we're back here, it was just, they had so little, but they were still the happiest people in the world. And it was really, you know, they, they loved each other and they were happy to have each other's company. And that that's, you know, I think what America needs to get back to. Mm. Now, I 100% agree with you that the Balinese people are some of the happiest people in the world. Every time I've been there, I, I, you know, it's, it is their smiles that, you, that you're left with. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, and the, the people and the, the, I guess the great thing now, you know, yeah, there's 
pros and, and cons to it, but you know, having Facebook around, these social network ways to keep the world connected, even though it's it's a, a big world, it can seem so small. We were able to, you know, keep in contact with some of these different people now that they they're on Facebook. So we continue to see now every once in a while, you know, if we're on our profile or our news feed on Facebook, what they're up to, the progress they're making within their, you know, coral reef rebuild project. Uh, some of the kids that were learning English that various people had helped over the course of, you know, a year going off to college. Um, and so it, it's really an interesting thing to see and continue to take shape. And yeah, we just, you know, absolutely loved our time there and we would, you know, wouldn't hesitate to go back. Yeah. Well, if you do get back there, you need to go a little bit further to Australia. They are, <laughs> they are our closest neighbors. I, I tell you what. <laughs> Missing out on Australia and New Zealand, though it was, they are so high on our list. Uh, we 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 debated so so many times about booking a quick flight down, and we never never did it, unfortunately. Well, it'll still be there. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> now, when we do extended travel or slow travel, it's not normal you know what i mean it's it's not the same as our, our our normal lives but what i have found is that a new kind of normality fits in and like we're not sightseeing or going from one place to the next all the time were there any normalities that crept into your life while you were traveling for so long that you noticed and that you loved yeah i mean for me you know as you mentioned call it slow travel or extended travel, but just really being able to slow down. I mean, to, I mean, you use the word again there, but just almost appreciate the little things a little bit more because you're able to notice those. Whereas if you're working a job, is it eight to five, nine to five? Or for me, I traveled for work prior to leaving, you know, so I was hopping on a plane, I'd be gone for a week, I'd come home. I'm around for the weekend and then I'm hopping another plane on Monday morning out to somewhere else. So I, you would miss a lot of literally what's going on around you. Whereas while you're traveling and you don't have a lot of the other responsibilities that a job you know requires you to have, it really allows you to wake up and kind of open your eyes to just everyday life and, you know, seeing interactions between other people you know you can people watch a little bit sipping a cup of coffee at a cafe in the morning or even at 10 or 11 a.m when otherwise you're probably working you know in our, our former life certainly we were so i think yeah really being able to just slow down and take in small things in everyday life was something that by the end it was how have we missed so much and when we do go back to our you know our former life let's not make the same mistake. Let's try to really keep our eyes open. Even if we do eventually need to get those jobs It's kind of, kind of my big takeaway, uh, certainly from, from extended time on the road. I would say, um, just the whole, the whole slow travel, um, process allowed us to, you know, we could see the sites when we wanted to. And if, you know, but we could arrive in a city with no plans and, you know, you can make a day of going out for coffee and you might strike up a conversation with a local person because you have the time to spend three hours and talk with them. And they can basically, you know, give you the lowdown of what you should do while you're in their city or, you know, things you can't miss in, in the country itself. And it was just, it was really cool to hear from locals about, you know, what, what they were proud of in their cities and, um, 
but because we had the time to have the conversation, yeah, we weren't, being, you know, we weren't rushed to from one museum yeah, to another. Exactly. Beyond just your traditional tourist stops in and out of a city and you come home and say, I saw this, I saw this, but what did you miss or what did you really see beyond those? Is, uh, I would absolutely agree with that. Mm. And I think that there's, you learn so much from the locals that you just cannot learn online, even from people that have been there because things just change all the time. Absolutely. Right. You know, you can do all the research you want, but it, it can be outdated. And, um, and it's also, you know, a lot of it's written by tourists, which is fine. They've experienced it, but you know, they're not local to the place. So they're, you know, you're going to constantly miss out on something unless a local can recommend something to you. Yeah. And you know, you guys have done this, this extended travel, this slow travel. What do you think is one of the biggest hurdles that stops so many people from traveling? Well, and we, we've talked about that a little bit and, you know, good thing we're, you know, talking to you being from a different country is for us, you know, as, as Americans, and I think it may very well vary from country to country, which people are formed, brought up a certain way. I, I feel like the American mentality is you don't have to travel. There's plenty in the U.S., which which is true, you know, lots of various uh, environments you can you know you can see ocean you can see mountains so I, I think there's that kind of it's ingrained that you don't have to travel internationally necessarily and because of that I think there's a hesitation be it media and, and everything else kind of compounds that you know you can do everything right here you don't have to go and I, I think for me at least as an American hearing other Americans talk about you know travel to us, about our own travels and what they thought was good or bad. And then hearing and seeing other people's stories. Whereas, you know, yourself as an Aussie traveling, I don't know if you heard those same things growing up, different Australians we've talked to, you know, they were pushed by their family to go leave, go to Europe, check it out, then come home, you know? So kind of just the way people are, are brought up feels like that, that in itself was a major hurdle from my, from my, my standpoint anyway. Right. That, yeah, that was definitely a hurdle. I think another one um, that we often hear when we tell people what we did or what we were doing was, well, I don't have the money for that and travel is expensive and, and it can and travel can be expensive, but it can also be not expensive. It can also be cheaper than I mean, our trip was it was cheaper for us to travel internationally for those two years than it would have been to live here in the U S how our lives had been. So I think that was really eye opening for us. I a hundred percent agree with you. My life in here in America this year is cheaper than my life back home in Australia. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Yeah. And and I think because it's the difference between holidaying and traveling in my mind, you, we think that, travel is so expensive because when we do it, we we're doing it on a holiday and we do it for two weeks at the most. And it's, you know, the flights and accommodation and you're eating out and you're staying at a hotel and it might cost you a few thousand dollars to do that. But that few thousand dollars can stretch so far when you take some of those costs out or you go to a country where you, the, the dollar value is just unbelievable. You know? Right. Oh, exactly. yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Asia, Southeast Asia was cheap. And even for us, we when, once we got down to Cape Town, South Africa, it was, we couldn't believe how much farther a dollar was going than 
it would have even a few years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was always, you know, when you, when you talk about travel versus vacationing, you know, when we vacationed, uh, you know, to, to pick the right words, it's, you know, we would vacation hard. We would eat, we would eat without thinking. We would drink without thinking, you know, we would do everything big because we had seven days. So let's just go all out. Whereas we had a totally different mentality while we were traveling. You know, we knew we were on a tighter budget. We didn't need to be eating all day, drinking all day, going out all night. So it was, and then I think for the two of us, we enjoyed that a lot more, not just because it saved us money, but you'd feel better during the day. We'd be able to enjoy ourselves all day. Um, And really it's, yeah, just two very different ways of going about what traditional vacationing is versus travel and and really what a lot of people just don't understand unless you choose to you know do a little bit of research and, and find out for yourself what are your tips for inexpensive travel or where do you think people can really save when it comes to traveling i think the for us the biggest way and our probably our number one tip would be use Airbnb or a similar service, you know, stay, I hate to say it, but stay away from the hotels and, you know, book yourself an apartment rental where it's generally a little bit cheaper. You have a little bit more room. You can cook yourself breakfast if you want, um, you know, and then you have a little bit more money to play with for lunch and dinner. Um, you, you have like your own space. So if you just, you need to take a break while you're traveling so that you can, you know, recharge for a day, you have your own space. And, um, yeah, being able to cook your meals in your apartment rental is, I mean, there's food and food and lodging, a huge way to save. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of times we found, you know, we're, we're still kind of crunching our final numbers, but uh, we, you know, did, did our numbers after our initial nine-month stint. And transportation oftentimes is something you can't avoid. You know, if you have to take a flight, it's usually going to cost what it'll cost. I mean, you, you might be able to find a little bit cheaper airfare here and there. But if you're trying to get from A to B, a lot of times your options are limited. But when it comes to lodging, food, drink, you know, those are the things you can really, you know, have more of a, a influence on. And, you know, if you don't want to drink alcohol, I mean, in a lot of countries, you know, Europe in particular, alcohol is is super expensive. And in the U.S., you know, if you choose to have water as opposed to drinking a beer, you know, you're going to save a lot of money that way too. So, you know, we weren't drinking all that often. We'd have a, a beer with dinner sometimes, but, you know, we focused on really spending the money in ways that it would go further for us, you know, really to keep us on the road for as long as possible. And how, and how did that um, not having a beer every day go when you traveled to Ireland? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I would say yeah. – we uh, averaged uh, we, several uh, beers a day. Yeah, if, if anyone decides to go over to our <laughs> website and clicks on our Ireland tab, you know, throw everything I just said out the window. Uh, do, does not relate. The we, Irish uh, will do it to you. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, they make it really easy to uh, to not follow your rules if uh, you're you're putting drinking on uh, on the back burner for a while. And you want to fit in with the locals at the bars. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the saying when in Rome? What's that? Isn't the saying when in Rome? When in Rome, precisely. For us, it was when in Dublin, when in Dingle, when in Killarney, and so on. (laughs) (laughs) And similar to myself, you guys have dabbled into the house sitting to make your way around a few places. How did you go about finding or getting involved in house sitting? 
house sitting, I'm just going to throw it out there is awesome. Um, we, you know, we had, when we had started planning this trip, we came across a few long-term travel bloggers and a few of them had mentioned house sitting. So it was kind of on my radar. And I think I signed up for one of the sites mailing list or something, but you know, once we, when we left, we weren't signed up with any site. And, um, I, one day I, you know, checked my email and read through the listings and I saw there was uh, one in Bali for the kind of the dates that we were planning on being in the country. We already had flight booked. So I said, well, if we're actually going to do this, I think we need to sign up and apply for this house and see what happens. So we made our profile and, um, wrote a nice little intro about ourselves and sent it off to the homeowner and thought, well, this is probably never going to happen because we don't have any reviews. We don't have a police check. We don't have, we have nothing. I don't know why you would. Yeah. Why would you pick us? But you know, we got a response back and it happened to be an American couple living in Bali who had done a similar trip to ours and they ended up just permanently moving to Bali and they took a chance on us and it was an amazing experience. And I mean, after day two, I think we were, we wanted to be professional house sitters for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Um, and you know, once I, you know, I, I don't want to say we got lucky with that, but you know, I, I'll interrupt there. Did you send yeah. one email? That was the, that was the one email on the first. I will say that, that you got very, yeah. I will say you got very, very lucky there. Email. <laughs> for everyone, yeah. for everyone listening. You're gonna to need to send more than one email. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I know. I realize ours is a unique case, and I think it was just the perfect storm of they kind of they re- our story resonated with them, and they were. I they mean, they're not like crazy hippie free spirit, but they definitely were. You know, people that were willing to trust a stranger, which I think you kind of need to be if you're going to get into house sitting, anyways. But they they really were, and I I mean, we're forever grateful to them. Yeah, I mean, and really that. You know, like you said, it, it's not easy to find house sits most of the time. So we, we are very, you know, feel very lucky, very appreciative that that first one worked out. And, you know, it, it usually doesn't always happen that way. And, you know, for whatever reason it did for us. And because of that, you know, that kind of parlayed itself into another house sit. And, you know, in the end, I think we've done five or six different sits, you know, all across the world and, you know, a number of different continents at this point. And, and really it, it all came down to, you know, getting that first sit, doing a good job, getting good references and really building from there. So we, uh, we, we can't say enough about how sitting and uh, at least how it turned out for us. Mm-hmm. And I think as you, you said, Alana, there's that connection with your email with the, the homeowner. And I've found that even though I had to write, emails, uh, countless emails every night for four months to get our first house it, it really was the connection that we had with the homeowners. And I found for all the house hits that we've had since then, there has been that connection, whether it's people that want us, want to be part of our adventure or really love us because we're Australian or because, <laughs> because Andy's super cute, my daughter, but, but there, there is that, there is that connection. You have backup. <laughs> yeah, there is. And I think it, I think the house sitting world is, you know, it, it should be for everyone, but it definitely takes a certain kind of person there. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of go in with some blind, I don't know if blind trust is a phrase, but you have to just be willing to trust people and you have to, you have to be, in the percentage of people who think that generally everyone in the world is good. And, yeah. Know. And for us, I think virtually each and every one of our house sits, you know, after an initial introduction in person, 
I think we eventually either stayed additional days in advance of what was scheduled and certainly extra days after we were done that they said, hey, if you guys don't have to be anywhere yet, you're welcome to stay another week or however long it takes. And and it was, you know, you, you do a good job. You're obviously you have a type of open personality that if you can click with people, you know, from all over the world, it uh, it's really easy to, to gain those relationships once you kind of put the effort into it. Yeah, 100% agree. Now, just switching gears a little. So we all have chapters in our lives and some are bigger than others and they're all full of beautiful moments. But at some point, each chapter ends to make room for the, a new one. What country were you guys in when you decided, you know, it's, it's time to close the, the full-time world traveler chapter and come on home? Uh, I, I think, I think when we were our last country of the, our biggest, the biggest part of our trip was Guatemala. Um, and, and we knew we were going home, but we didn't know if it would be for good. Um, we knew we were just going home for the holidays to see our family. So, and we were there for five weeks and it was an awesome experience and a horrible experience at the same time. Um, just it was just uh, the living conditions for me were stressful because I, like we mentioned before, we are now not outdoorsy people. I mean, I love nature. I love being outside, but then I like to go to bed not outside. Um, <laughs> and the cabin that, I mean, we're kind of in a cabin and it, it had a, a million dollar view of the lake in Guatemala. And But at night, the creatures came out and they came in full force. In, out in full force <laughs> and in our little cabin one room studio and I it was it was trying on me I mean I was terrified at sundown <laughs> yeah it, it was a little a little stressful I I was uh certainly I the the guy that was in charge of getting rid of all spiders and scorpions on a nightly basis and you know going in we knew they were going to be around but I think it was we had been on the road for a while for Alana you know after about a week of the five-week stint you know, I think we even had the conversation like, do we just book flights home and just do it? I, I want to be home. I don't want to deal with these little creatures again every single night. And I think we got over that and I think we kind of talked through it and said, you know, this is probably the end of our truly, truly extended travel as opposed to maybe going home over the holidays and then going out for a week or two here and there. But truly a chunk of time, this is potentially the, the end of it for us for the foreseeable future. And so I think eventually, you know, we kind of, we did settle in every night was still, you know, we had our process of, of finding the creepy crawlies, but I think we tried to enjoy it as best we could, even, you know, even though it was, you know, terrifying for, for one of us every single day. Um, so I, yeah, I think Guatemala definitely showed us the good and the bad, but also made us appreciate that, you know, things do come to an end and that maybe this is it for us, but you know, let's try to make the best of it. And while we, we were in Guatemala, we, you know, we kept thinking like, what are, what are we going to do, you know, come January, February? And we, you know, through, we're throwing around various countries in our head. And every time we sat down to kind of look at the logistics of going there, I think we looked at each other and said, I think we're just done. Like, I think we're, I don't want to use the term burnt out, but I'm, I'm not interested in planning this trip right now. Like, I think we need we need a break or we're going to end up in some amazing country somewhere and we're not going to enjoy ourselves. Wow. That's really honest. 
Yeah, I know. I it, it was almost kind of like a sad thing, but I think I, it was good for us that we had those five weeks to kind of figure out what was next. And we really realized, I think, heading back home is next for us. Yeah. And we were, and we, I, we were at peace with that. Yeah. And, and I think we were in, you know, and you know, while there was good and bad that we you know experienced in those five weeks, you know, in terms of the overall big picture of, you know, our, our two years away from, you know, traditional working and, and so on, I would recommend it, you know, wholeheartedly to anybody that would ever consider it. You know, you're going to you're going to run into issues along the way, just like you do at home. And I think, you know, I think we're personally better off for it, you know, just emotionally, our future travels, how we feel and deal with people, what we want out of our future careers, both jobs and personally and professionally. So, yeah, I really think, you know, the trip, the trip itself and a trip for anybody is something that I, uh, I would absolutely push for anyone to do it if you're, if you're considering something like that. And how has the transition been back into the U.S.? Oh, you know, I, I kind of thought we would come back here and we would, I don't know, not be depressed, but just kind of have a downer feeling. I studied abroad in college, and when I came home, it was definitely one of those reverse culture shock experiences where I just kind of felt out of touch and, you know, I had missed out. I mean, even though it was only maybe six months, I kind of missed out on a lot of things, and I, I didn't really know what was going on. It was hard for me. Um, but being back here, and I don't know if it's because Matt and I have each other, you know, we have, we can always talk about the trip to each with each other if nobody else wants to hear about it at the time. <laughs> but um, it, it's been fine. You know, our, our families are just, they're happy to have us back, but we're kind of in the position where, you know, it's just like we've always been around. We haven't been gone. And our, you know, our friends were super awesome about this and, you know, they've, they stayed in contact with us, but they, now that we're back, you know, they let us talk about our trip and then they also kind of just life is as it is and what's going on tonight. And it's just nice to just like get back in the groove without people constantly saying like, Oh, do you, do you miss traveling? And, mm. and just people just kind of accept us that we're back and we're just part of life. And I think that that's been great. We just, I don't know. We're not, we're not sad about it. We're, you know, we'll know that we're, we're always going to be the people that like to travel and we're going to travel is going to be always be a part of our life. But um, yeah, being back has been fine. It's at least for me. How do you feel Matt? Oh yeah, I would agree. You know, and we've you know since we've been back, you know, over the holidays, we've we've taken a, a couple trips here and there. So we, we've gotten away. So it's you know we're, we're I guess we're weaning ourselves off of travel a little bit by little bit. Uh, so yeah, our, our last trip, you know, we got home right towards the end of May, early June, and and now I think we're starting to really kind of think about the the long term uh, picture of being in the U.S. You know. Are we both going to look for jobs? Will one of us look for a full-time job? And then the other one will kind of figure it out after that. Do we consider some online work to, to you know, supplement some income? So, yeah, we're, we're in the process of figuring out what's next in terms of uh, a job, you know, making money. You can't live for free, uh, you know, in the U.S. or anywhere else. So, so yeah, we're, uh, we're in the process of figuring it out. But uh, I think we're, we're looking forward to, you know, the next chapter. Oh, Cool. We learn so much when we travel, which is why I'm a huge advocate for it. And you mentioned earlier, Matt, that you know you, you love that the slow down and, and you really took notice of the li little things. Were there any kind of life principles, if any, that you learned while traveling that you've, you've brought home and they've, they're now part of you? Yeah, I would say, you know, kind of, kind of broadly, being in a lot of countries where 
you know, be it vacation time, the way people travel, the way people view their work and their, you know, work-life balance, I guess, in terms of their own time away from whatever they do, you know, professionally for a career to make money is coming home now. I mean, that's very much something both of both of us want, you know, so when we do start looking for jobs here, I mean, you hate to say we're going to be picky because obviously there's a lot of people out there that would, you know, take certain jobs to have a job. But I think we really want to work for a type of company. We want to, you know, be able to get some time away for ourselves, for our family, and and really keep that in mind that having that work-life balance and keeping ourselves fresh to be, you know, there for each other, for our future family, is something that I don't think I'll change my mind on again. You know, I, I, I very highly doubt my mentality will go strictly back to how I was five years ago when I was traveling, you know, 75% of the time, would only see Alana on weekends, and it was make money, save money, because this is, you know, the rat race. And I do not see myself getting back into that because it's kind of a, a continuous cycle that I I know isn't healthy. And will we get back to that point again in a few years if I do that, where it's like we got to quit our jobs and travel again? So I don't think either of us are going to get there. And uh, I think that's something, at least for me, that I, I will not be going back. I'll call it to the dark side anyway. So, <laughs> And for me, and Matt will probably be happy to hear this, I've really learned that I can live uh, with very few things and um, I never used to be a shopaholic, but I enjoyed, you know, I, I loved our big house and, um, and I, I liked things, not, not to a crazy extent, but you know, I liked a well-decorated house and, and now I realize like, I I don't want a tiny house, but I'm fine, you know, with living with the basics and like your daily experiences are way better than the things that fill up your life and and things fill up your life i've really realized that oh yeah absolutely yeah i was gonna say living out of you know a backpack a a larger pack and a true little backpack for two years i mean five shirts a couple pairs of shorts uh you know i mean flip-flops and one pair of tennis shoes that's you don't need much and i i have yet to buy any new clothes since i've been home you know i'm waiting until i might get that job to you know boost my wardrobe again but yeah, I think we just, neither of us, you don't need what you think you actually need. And once you take it away, you can really see what's necessary and what's not. We don't, we don't really own much of anything, but one thing we really don't own right now is a TV. And I don't see us buying one when we make the move to our, to a new apartment. Um, just, we want to just enjoy life more and having these last few years to like really understand what that's like has been awesome. Absolutely. They're great lessons to learn, honestly. It's the whole minimalism and, you know, less is more is pretty much what enabled my family and I to uh, to embark on our journey. Um, but that's beautiful. Guys, I've, I've probably got to start wrapping this up, but one final question, which I, I like to yeah. ask everyone that comes on, and you can either do this together or separately. We'll see. Okay. Um, but describe your perfect day. Perfect Ooh. day. Now, is this perfect day on the road or just a perfect day at home? Or a per- perfect day in life. Perfect day in life. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing we'll probably go separately, but... I think we can both agree that yeah. perfect day starts with 
waking up when you wake up, which doesn't mean sleep for us, doesn't mean sleeping in, but just no, not to an alarm. We're usually up by 6 or 7 a.m. You know, if the sun's out, we're up. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not in bed till 10, that's for sure. We just we like to have the time to enjoy our coffee and um, just kind of ease into the day. And I know that's something we both agree oh, on. Oh, yeah. So, you know, for me, have a coffee, an espresso, read a book, maybe a newspaper if it's around. But, you know, we, we each grab our Kindle, have a cup of coffee on the road, you know, shower, get ready, uh, get outside, you know, do something active. You know, it doesn't have to be go to the gym. It can be, but... Go for a hike, get outdoors, um, come home. I'm, I'm the cook of the two of us. Uh, absolutely love to be in the kitchen. You know, I'll cook a nice meal and you know, maybe have a wine or a beer, relax, finish out the night. Again, maybe some more reading and, uh, and yeah, just enjoy each other's company. Yeah, I think, I think we can both agree that that's a perfect day. Um, for me, I would... I like Matt's cooking, but then I always have to clean up. So I think for me, I would make that lunch or dinner, go out to eat and enjoy something, let somebody else clean it up. But other than that, I think we're on the, the same track. Oh, perfect. You guys should stay together then. All right. Well, that's good to hear. I say, almost six years going strong. Here. Ah, happy days. Well, Matt and Alana, thanks so much for your time today. And if people want to reach out and uh, discover a little bit more about you guys, where can they reach you? Oh, we'd love if people came right to our blog. It's greatbigglobe.com. But uh, now that we're back home, we're finding out that we're just much more in with the social networks. So just check moving. us out on Instagram yeah. or Facebook, and it's Great Big Globe everywhere. So we'd love yeah. to we'd love to just reach out to us and let us know how we can help you get. If you want to travel, we can t- we can help you. you yeah, know? so we have, we've we've got a few different people that have yeah, reached out with questions about places we've been. You know, we are happy to give away information. You know, the more people that travel, the better the world is, in our opinion. I second that one. Well, guys, I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. Thanks again, guys. You've been great. And for everyone listening, thank you as well. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.